tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops. Just the good old boys, never meaning no harm. Watching shit movies you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day we was born. Straighten the curve, flatten the hills. Someday the schlock might get us, but the law never will. We're drinking our way, the only way we know how. And that's just a little bit more than our livers will allow. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the 76th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. And tonight we welcome back those good old boys from Hazard County, Ross the Boss and J-Man of the Double Turn Podcast. Welcome back, gentlemen. It's good to be back. Uh, we've been looking forward to being back on this show for quite some time, so thank you for having us aboard uh, for this very special episode. I'm uh, I'm thrilled. Anyone's happy to be back here. Most of the time, we have to drug people to be on this thing. No oh, man. I, thankfully, I am uh, 100% sober, so you will never have to drag me to be on this show. Um, but that being said, I love uh, I love being with you guys. We had an amazing time back in May, so it's great to be back. And let's knock it out of the park, gentlemen. All right, May. And as uh, yep. uh, as always, along with me on this car chase down below the Mason-Dixon line, our Captain Cash. Ye, and I cannot stress this enough. Ha. And Boss Hog Sweat Rag, also Jessica Simpson's acting coach, Chumpzilla. Hey, I did the best I could. You know, personally, I was lobbying for Nick Lachey for the role, but whatever. He would look excellent in those shorts. Would he not? Oh, 100%. Hundred percent. Drew Lachey could have been anus. Anus. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so, points of order. You can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops. You can find myself at Writer TLK. Captain Cash. Where can they find you? At C A P T C A S H on most of your social media. And Chumpzilla. You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla Eight. And Double Turn, folks. Where can they find your podcast and you guys on the social? We just hit our two-year anniversary show that we just recorded. That is up uh, on our different platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, and or CastBox, and the Anchor app. You can also find our show on Instagram, the Double Turn Podcast. Ross the Real Boss 85 is my personal page. The one and only J-Man 19 is the J-Man's Instagram page. Awesome. Uh Dukes of Hazard. if you have the uh, IFC channel, is currently airing there, so it's probably also on demand there. If not, you can rent it for $3.99. I thought about renting the unrated version, and then I realized it was only three minutes longer than the actual version, so how unrated could it actually be? I passed. Question. Uh, yes. Question. What the fuck is IFC? Independent Film Channel. Also, oh. I did watch the unrated version, and I think it's a uh, I think about approximately three minutes of more topless stuff in that sorority house. That's about it. 
Uh, I was still wrong, but I thought it was Indiana fried chicken. So you're telling me that that wasn't the cut with Nick Lachey in the in the Daisy Dukes? Sadly, no. That's the director's cut, and that has yet to been re- <coughs> released. So hashtag release the Dukes of Hazard director's cut. We've got the Snyder cut. The director is, yeah. do you? No, but we've got the Snyder cut. So let's get the guy the who Lachey directed cut? Dukes of Hazard Nick, cut. Yeah. Nick Lachey cut. cut. Yeah. No, 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 no. Stop right now. I want the Drew Lachey cut. I Hashtag can tell Drew you Lachey cut. this. If there is a Lachey cut out there, it's going to be a lot hotter than 98 degrees in this room. Bow. Nailed it. <laughs> hey oh, Okay, so Chumzilla, you were on beer duty. Uh, what are we drinking tonight for the Dukes of Hazard? Well... Since I'm the pod's resident Georgian, I was tasked with selecting an appropriate brew for this movie set exclusively in the Peach State. For tonight's pod, I've gone with a beer from Kennesaw's Burnt Hickory Brewing. This is Driving and Crying Straight to Hell Session IPA. This beer was a collaboration between the brewery and the Atlanta-based and semi-famous band Driving and Crying. They had a gold record back in 1991. The beer is a very hazy IPA, and since it's a session IPA, the ABV is a very manageable 5.5%. It's, uh, you know, a a hazy golden IPA with a very, you know, uh, amber appearance. With a light head, it's not super hoppy. It's a tad bitter, but you do get some fruity slash tropical notes. But frankly, it's a little too bitter for my taste. So I'd give this a one bad movie rating on the taste side. But if I'm ranking this beer based on its name alone, especially considering the movie that we're talking about tonight, I'm going to give this a three movie rating because Sean William Scott's Bo Duke is a little bitch in this movie. So, he's got some problems. Like he's got cheers. emotional problems. He's sort of yeah. a sociopath in, in this movie. Uh, so you're saying this isn't quite as potent as Uncle Jesse's Moonshine. That's okay. doesn't always have to be. Uh, not even close. No, yeah. sir. But it, it's not bad. But, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't drink a lot of these. Not going to lie. But, anyway, cheers, okay, so, gentlemen. Yeah, cheers. Dukes of Hazard, directed by J. Chandra Sekar of Broken Lizard fame. Obviously, Super Troopers, Club Dread, Beer Fest. All of his Broken Lizard compatriots appear at some point in the film, most of them in very minor roles. The movie stars Johnny Jackass Knoxville as Luke Duke, Sean Goon William Scott as Bo Duke. And whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Your, yeah. your, cultural touch, your cultural touchstone for Sean William Scott is the goon and not Stifler? I mean, that's well, fine. I just... Yeah. He does have a point. I, th- I felt like we had done it before, but then I couldn't remember if he was on the pod. I, I, Wait, what? The Who's the goon? There's, a, there's a, a movie about hockey enforcers called Goon, and he's in it. And he and is great. the titular goon. Yeah. He, he is from Minneapolis. So yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Jessica Newlywed Simpson as Daisy Duke, Bert the Longest Yard Reynolds, rest in peace, buddy, as Jefferson Davis Boss Hogg, Gordon Bombay's chauffeur, M.C. Ganey, as Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane, Willie R- nice Whiskey River Nelson, as Uncle Jesse. Always nice to see M.C. Ganey back on the pod. Welcome uh, back. 
And it's always Welcome nice back, when he's wearing Swamp uh, Thing. It's always nice when he's wearing pants too. Sideways. Anyway. Hashtag sideways. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Paul Giamatti. Hashtag why. <laughs> Hashtag HTC. Yeah. The goddamn or monster Johnson. No, THC. Whatever. And you've got James Syke Rodet as Billy Prickett. And Kevin Goddamn Brewery Heffernan as Sheep. That is the main cast. There's other people in there that you'll recognize. This movie has kind of a murderer's row of comedic talent. Uh, yes. This movie was stunt casted with every single role, every single role, with just the funniest people that were alive in 2005, and yet somehow is not funny. What the fuck is this thing? I mean, that's sort of an overreach. Funniest people alive. I mean, yeah, there's very thank you. funny thank people you. in this movie. Fair. But Sean William Scott isn't like, it's not like he's out there on the road hitting the comedy clubs. He was in funny movies. Yeah, okay, okay. But, okay, let me rephrase. Knowing who was available in 2005, you could pick any actors you want. Literally, you could have anybody. You would still choose the same cast. Well, no, here's where I'll call you out on that, Captain Cash. I like chocolate occasionally. I like whiskey most of the time. And I definitely enjoy olives. But if I throw those things into a blender, they don't taste good. This movie is a lot of things that individually make sense. Like, oh, that, that's a name. Oh, that's a talent. Oh, they're funny. Oh, they're incredibly attractive. But yet somehow when they're brought together, instead of forming Voltron, they just kind of hang it, out and just under-impress. It's one of the clones from Alien Resurrection. It's Kill me. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's sort of like that thing at the end of the fly. It's like, ooh, yeah. The no. Brundle fly. Just put the shotgun right. The yeah, yeah, the Brundle fly, not the Grindle fly. The Brundle fly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I have I have some things I think would have improved some of the comedic elements in the movie, particularly the jokes that are like way over set up. But we'll get there after the plot. This movie was released in 2005. Grossed a lot of money, actually. $111.1 million on a budget of 53. It also opened number one in its opening weekend. So financially, probably made money. I mean, it is a comedy. Oh, yeah. So $100 million, pretty good. Critically, though, it was panned. 14% on Rotten Tomatoes with 170 reviews. Roger Ebert named it the second worst movie of the year. And Richard Roper said, no, fuck it. It's the worst movie of the year. I think that's a stretch. Uh, uh, question: What was the worst movie of the year? Uh, I don't know in Roger's uh, mind, but I do have a list for later, so we'll cover that. Schindler's List, the musical, and uh, this seems to be a uh, trend on recent pods. This was nominated for seven Razzies, although it didn't win any. Shut Shocking! Up. Woof! It's a bummer. You get seven that's, noms, that's, you should take at least one home. That's because Schindler's List of Musicals swept them. No, it was uh, the big movie of the year that everyone hated was something called Dirty Love with Jenny McCarthy, which I vaguely uh-huh. remember seeing. <laughs> and I, I'm glad I re- erased most of it from my brain. It's probably like somewhere in between whenever it's New Year's and they continually show her and Donnie Wahlberg making out. You just want to like jam your eye sockets with a fork. All right. Although this movie made over $100 million. Apparently it didn't do well enough to warrant a big screen sequel. 
this happened a lot in the mid 2000s. There's tons of American Pie straight to DVD sequels. This got a straight to DVD prequel titled The Beginning. Uh, none of the principal stars were in that, but Willie Nelson did return, and it's safe to assume he was paid in pot. Listen, listen, you've got to get that weed money. People are going to pay you to just show up on camera and be you for weed money. You show up and do that. I waited the entire movie for the scene where he was getting baked and it finally happens at the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. And I get the impression that yes, Willie Nelson was totally in this for the weed money. He's like, you mean I get to say dumb shit for, you know, a couple of weeks and you're going to pay me how much? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'll say whatever you want. Was it a running of when Willie Nelson got the script, the script read, Willie, just say what you would say in that moment. Here's the setup, Willie. What, yeah, was that like a thing with Uncle Jesse Duke that he told jokes? Because that's like every line he has is just like some joke. No, I, I, what I think that was Ramathorn telling him like, hey, you know what, Willie? Here's the direction I'm going to give you. You know Shane Black's character in Predator? That's you. I mean, I'm Just, fine with that. He's like one of the, the more entertaining parts of the movie to me. Uh, so we're uh, going to get into the plot here in just a second. Uh, before we do, let's start with uh, Ross the Boss. How would you describe this movie in one sentence? This is a prototypical 2000s stereotypical plot line forced into the Dukes of Hazard body and then was pinned to death voodoo style. Yeah. Uh, Captain Cap. Hey, you guys remember that show Dukes of Hazard? Yeah. Let's sort of. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Let's, uh, you know, we'll put the characters in there in the car. Uh, what do they got to do? They got to drive, right? So they'll drive. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the Reynolds is available. So well, it, the moonshine's only important for the first 20 minutes of the movie. Uh, yeah, it plays, it plays very little into the plot aside from being the most, I don't know, maybe flimsy piece of evidence to get somebody's entire farm taken away from them. Like, the idea, so I know I'm cutting into everybody else's one-liner time, but the idea that they were moonshiners in the late 70s, early 80s was silly because yeah. there's a history of that through, you know, well, there's a show on some uh, channel that's supposed to be showing actual television that tells me moonshining is still the big thing. Yeah, there's I think a guy what named Pickle on it, or is it Tickle? I think the thing that you're missing here, Captain Cash, is it's not about the bootlegging aspect so much it is the uh, aspect that the moonshine is good stuff and it's coveted. So it's not just that it's illegal to have booze anymore, because that's, yeah, prohibition's over. It's the fact that it's still illegal to make your own booze. True. Right? So granted, yeah, you can get Jack Daniels at the liquor store, but you can't get Uncle Jesse's, you know, super beach. No, and, and that is it's his grandpappy's grandpappy's recipe. Although, again, I'm not defending this. I'm just explaining the stupid plot point because the movie does nothing to make that seem like it's important. It's just like a throwaway, like, hey, we're moonshiners and moving on. Like, well, okay. They do use it as Molotov cocktails, which yeah, is kind yeah, of which an is cool moment. <laughs> yeah, but My you could just use gasoline too. Like, yeah, like, it's like you don't have to have your own moonshine station to make 
uh, Molotov cocktails. They could have used gas or diesel okay. or something. Okay, just tell us how you describe the movie. Fuck, okay, fine. And you know what? I'm a little upset because the boss, Ross, totally stole my thunder. Let's see here. Uncle Chumpzilla says that 2005's The Dukes of Hazard feels like someone lazily reworked the script for Dodgeball into a half-assed Dukes of Hazard reboot. So I described it as the movie that made us all realize not all 70s and 80s TV shows needed to be remade because this was like a moment in time where they were just remaking tons of them. We had an A-Team movie. We had a Starsky and Hutch movie. This wants to be Starsky and Hutch really badly. And the two stars are not nearly as funny as Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. Fun fact, the roles of Bo and Luke Duke were offered to Ben Stiller and, and Owen Wilson, and they turned them down because the script sucked. Yeah, it's not at all a surprise because literally it's a, it's a very similar movie. Like they're almost identical movies. Well, it's very close to Dodgeball too. It's just a generic you know, back to the old real estate scheme stuff. Lex Luthor would be impressed. Dobbs classic. Yeah. So, so you bring up the point that all these movies are very similar in that the scripts and the plots, uh, of course, are very different, but there's a definitive edge to some of the movies we just mentioned, the Starsky and Hutches. Even the Dodgeballs have a little bit of an edge and a little bit of humor to it. This just felt very empty, it didn't have a lot of soul to it. They just tried a lot of different things jumbled together and just ex- and just assumed you would think it was funny because it was 2005 and it's all the guys from Super Troopers and the same director. And it just fell flat. Yeah, no, I Absolutely. totally agree. There's things in here they set up for like 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, the girl, I think her name is Katie, that Stifler uh, Bo Duke is in love with. And he's like, oh, I can't wait to see her. I can't wait. And you know from the moment he mentions her that that the other Duke has slept with this woman and they play this out for like see, like multiple scenes and multiple different scenarios where this is finally going to come to light and it's not funny. And more importantly, we're supposed to care about Sean William Scott's heartbreak. Like, uh, there's nothing that like led up to that that gave it any emotional weight. You're like, oh, oh, poor him. Uh, if, if anything, in the moment, it is Sean William Scott's character, Bo Duke, revealed to be some sort of sociopath? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is they don't feel like real people ever. And that sort of kills the movie. So they don't really have a lot of chemistry, nor do they feel like real people. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to Google this because I don't care that much. But was this before or after Johnny Knoxville was in one of the Men in Black movies? Post. This is post Men in Black 2. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense because he appears to me to play the same character. He seems like he's an alien in this movie. Uh, I don't know if you know this. He's always the same character. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's always Johnny Knoxville. He's just varying degrees of stupid Johnny Knoxville. The worst part is, is when he looks over at, at Stifler, when Stifler completely gets out of line, he like, gives him a look it's like you know it's bad when the guy who seems like he's an alien has to look over at you and say really brother really come on huh huh like that's the problem with this movie like there's no straight man in it everybody's just absolutely bonkers at all times so first of all i don't know if there's any likable characters and second of all this is this is this is past prime 
Johnny Knoxville and Sean William Scott really being super relative or like, oh, these guys are new and they're funny. This is the, oh, yeah, these guys have been around for three years. Their jokes were old two years ago. Why am I still seeing them in these movies? And they're doing yeah. a lot of the same jokes again. Like, the Super Troopers yeah. literally do the same bit. Well, that's the funniest part of the movie. They didn't write this movie, though, which is, I'm going to cover later. Uh, because yeah, I think I, this movie could have benefited from a few more passes at the script. Let's just get through the plot so we can get yeah. to our questions. Essentially, this movie, of course, revolves around the Duke boys, Bo and Luke, who are running moonshine for their Uncle Jesse again. As we said, that doesn't really matter. Two things are quickly established. Luke, Johnny Knoxville, is a man whore, and he's the smarter of the two. And Bo is a driver who apparently wishes to have sex with his car. <laughs> also... <laughs> As he Duke, really wants to fuck that car. It's really weird. badly. Also, as a Duke's movies requires, you get a lot of car chases. I think the car chases are by far and away the highlight of the movie. We're going to talk about that at the end of the plot. So they're running moonshine. They go to a bar. They run into this town legend, Billy Prickett, who also loves to drive and has won the same race as Bo many times. And he's literally only there to distract from Boss Hogg's evil plot which is to siphon all the land of Hazard County away from people so he can mine it for coal. Uh, that's the movie, right? Like Drip mine it, the worst yeah. kind of mining. I think here's where the biggest issue with the movie come, comes for me, and I do have a question about it. They throw you into this film well into the feud between the Dukes and Boss Hog. Now, the show came out in 1979. I never watched it. Chumsil, before we got on air, you talked. You mentioned you had watched it, but I think it's pretty safe to assume the audience they were shooting for, which is young adult males who like Jackass and like American Pie, are going to go see this. They have no idea what the Dukes of Hazard is. So starting the movie in the middle of something that you have no idea the basis for doesn't seem to work for me, especially because Boss Hog doesn't show up for the first twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, I think if my memory serves correct, uh, in the TV show, it's not super narrative driven. It's kind of like the A team where it's like a very episodic deal. They just kind of get through whatever the problem they're facing uh, in one episode. Like that's yeah. kind of the formula. And the writers have gone on the record saying it's kind of like a country music formula. It's like, it's, it's country music song. They want to have a beginning, a middle and end to every episode. It doesn't really, there's, there's some arcs, some stuff carries over for the most part. It's not really uh, like a big sweeping narrative. But by so, that third that, act, we twist the meaning and it just rips your heart out like a country song. Right. But uh, sort of, well, but anyway, so to your point though, so I think the movie, fits that model but yeah it doesn't hold up in modern times because you want more backstory you want more context and that this movie gives you none of that you just know that burt reynolds is bad because the narrator tells you he's bad and that's the problem and i've said about many uh, uh, other a, a bad movie don't tell me show me they tell you a lot of stuff in this movie but you don't see it and you just have to take it for granted and, and then go with it. And it, there's really not a lot of payoff for it. it. It's still not super satisfying in the end. This is going to be a very funny defense of what you just broke or what you just brought up. Actually, 
what everybody brought up, and that is that it's 2005 and they're expecting people to know exactly what's going on in Dukes of Hazard. I would make the argument that they don't really care. And I would also make the argument that the target audience is probably like, oh yeah, so there was this cool show that like maybe like my parents or people that are older than me grew up with. Hey, my what's uncle. old is new. Right. What's old is new. Let's just enjoy it. And let's just, you know, because we're getting into this time period where it's just, let's just absorb as much content as we can and not have a lot of context, if that makes sense. It does. And I, honestly, no, I'm fair point. I'm fair point. Boss Ross. I, I don't think you need the backstory. Boss, Boss Hoss is the bad guy. Uh, he's got the the rest of the cops are also bad guys. Uh, our good guys are moonshine runners. Here we go. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Uh, and really, the movie I think was trying to sell itself on: hey, we have hot women and we have Johnny Knoxville. I mean, and Stifler. There's like a but, sort of ludicrous amount of attractive women in Hazard County, Georgia. <laughs> Not buying it. Uh, uh, wait, I mean, have you been to Hazard County, Georgia? I'm just saying. It doesn't exist. Every male in Hazard County appears to uh, have some sort of deficiency. Uh, Sheeve, Cooter, uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane, Enos, and every woman they run into, for the most part, is insanely attractive. Well, some of the hot chicks came from Atlanta and Australia, so I'm not sure this holds up. That's I true. I could, one of them came from Australia. I couldn't although, believe although, they threw in the Australia thing. Although Just Linda Carter was, yeah, yeah although Linda, yeah. She, Linda Carter was a uh, Hazard County native, so maybe points Hazard County. I don't know. I we can't didn't even talk about that. Wonder Woman is in this fucking movie. Yeah, Wonder well, Woman. She's another character that just doesn't matter, which is well, sort of she, the problem. She was also in Super Troopers. She was the governor in Super yes, Troopers. She was. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Australia thing is like mind-boggling because they literally did it just so he could steal the joke from Dumb and Dumber. It's like, oh, this joke was good a decade ago when it was first done. And I'm sorry, I didn't research this at all. Was that actually an Australian actress? I don't know, but there, there's so many bad accents in this movie. I That's where I'm it. going with it. I, that I question that. I'm like, that does not sound like an Aussie accent at all it's really hard for me to pinpoint who has the worst southern accent because they're all so bad oh no no it's very easy it's sean william scott a lot of his lines are just him yelling out the window of a car yeah i i don't like the three leads the arguable three leads the duke boys and daisy None of them actually sell the Southern accent all that well. I feel like Johnny Knoxville does the best job, but none of it is good. Nope. I give it strictly and directly to Jessica Simpson. Really? I will say, I will say that after a while, it's, it's, it's very evident that they just gave up trying. I think they were trying yeah. early on, but it was very evident they're like, we suck at it, so we're just going to not try but maybe we'll get it right like once or twice through the rest of the movie. The Prince of Thieves method is what we call that. Yeah. Yeah. And I will defend my uh, vote for Jessica Simpson because I work with several Southern ladies and they put on a theatric Southern accent at times. And most of Jessica Simpson's lines are meant to be 
persuasive and over the top. Like when she's talking to people, she's putting on a front. So her stilted performance is actually accurate. That's how Southern people talk when they're trying to emphasize or, you know, exaggerate it for putting up, you know, appearances. So she actually pulls it off. People talk like that down here. It's weird, but it happens. Was it intentional? Probably not, but I'll give her credit. It passes. Uh, all I'm going to say is the Jessica Simpson leading lady era was very short, and this movie is a prime example of why. Now, this is her feature film debut. Yeah. Other things happen. Uh, Boss Hog, as we said, he's siphoning up all the land to strip mine it. He takes the Dukes under false pretenses by planting a still for moonshine in their barn. Just real quick, apparently that uh, actress, Jackie Maxwell, is in fact from Australia, so. Well, there you go. Let's Woof. throw another shrimp on that Bobby. It was worth the joke then. Oh, God. <laughs> that, that's, that's what they say down there. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it is brutal. So after their barn is taken over by Boss Hog, they decide to go investigate. They realize he has a safe, which doesn't seem that hard to break into, but apparently it is. And they steal it. This is actually a good car chase. As I said, the car chases are the highlight of the film. I was actually pretty impressed with Jay Chandrasekhar's direction in those. Because they're, I mean, there's a lot of great practical stunts. To break into the safe, they need the help of Sheev, Kevin Heffernan, and his stockpile of illegal arms and other explosives. And he is the single highlight in this film. I love basically everything he does. He's still funny. Still I don't funny. know why. I agree. Nothing yeah. else is. But he is. He's funny. Uh, there's, there's some other funny moments. I think there's just too many that don't land. Because I do, I'll have a question later. I'll ask you guys what your favorite gag or joke in the movie was. We'll get there. Because there is some funny stuff. I actually think even uh, I forget, uh guy who plays Foster in Super Troopers, he just shows up as a reporter. And he's, his presence is, they just have a certain on-screen presence and a cadence in the way they deliver lines that is good. Like Sean William Scott spends most of the movie screaming his lines or acting really weird. Johnny Knoxville, as I said, he's always Johnny Knoxville. He's, he's a physical comedian. Like his comedy is mostly physical. So it doesn't really work here. I'm convinced that in the script it said, and then Johnny Knoxville falls down. I'm honestly surprised he didn't crotch himself about five times in the movie. Yeah, well, uh, I'll agree with you there, Captain Cash. Farva is a highlight of this movie. He is, he does the absolute best and most with the lines they give him. And he actually seems like he can act. Like, he seems actually like he's a real person in the movie. Right? Yes, as, opposed yes. to some, as opposed to somebody playing themselves in a movie. <laughs> yeah, his accent is actually, it, it works. The things he says, he, he sounds like he could possibly be from Hazard County, Georgia. Now, I mean, it's over the top as hell, but uh, it, I think it works. Better to yeah. oversell it than to not sell it at all, I guess. So I think my favorite Farva moment in the movie is at the end. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I just want to throw it in there. When the crowd is throwing food at him for making an announcement with a bullhorn they don't agree with, and he can't like you know, shrugs his shoulders and scurries away in shame, but he stops to reach down and eat some of the food off of the ground. 
And he looks back at them. And he's like, don't you judge me. And then he runs off. It's like, that's good acting. It's funny. And, and that's not in the script. That's just him doing what he thinks that character should do. And it's like, that, that's really entertaining. It's funny. It's like, oh, you see that? And it's like a visual gag. Uh, yeah, you don't get that kind of stuff from the other characters in the movie. They're not, they're not putting that much nuance into their roles. No. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, it's a small thing, but it could kick out because, hey, the Broken Lizard guys, they're funny. They're, they are funny people. On paper, this movie should have been funnier, as Captain Cash said earlier. Well, we'll get there. Uh, yeah, moving on. She breaks open the safe. They realize there's a whole bunch of soil samples in there. So they head down to the University of Georgia because Katie attends there. This is the woman that uh, Bo Duke is Point of order. With. They're not soil samples. They're core samples. And they go north, not south. What? I'm a pedant. It just they go. You go north. To George to get to Atlanta from Hazard County, which again is a fictional county that doesn't exist. I'm just being get, an ass. Get the get the fuck out! You're in timeout. You're wait wait. Are some, you sure? I'm pre, I'm, 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 no, I'm pre, I want you to think no. about this. You realize the movie we're talking about. And you're talking about minerals. And get out! You're out. Well, well hold on. <laughs> well, hold on. Boss Ross here. Hold on. I need some clarification. I'm 99% sure they're in the North Georgia mountains. They're in Appalachia. They're in North Atlanta. They do call themselves a couple of Appalachians. So there is only one point in the movie where they show a map of where they are because they're trying to figure out what Boss Hog is doing, taking up the different farms and the different lands in the area. But I don't don't remember actually seeing the entire state of Georgia. So it was just like in this blob of Georgia somewhere. So I couldn't really tell where it was. But if we're saying they're in the mountains and they're in the northern part of Georgia, then you'd be right. But at the same time, they don't really specify that. So I don't really have a definitive answer either way, if that makes okay. sense. So at one uh, point, I, no, 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 I got this. Yep. At one point, Bo Duke specifically says, oh, people are real nice up here. Up here, up here, because it's north. It's north from Hazard Well, County. when they use the uh, full-on generally as a gag, which they do with the Confederate flag on the hood throughout the movie, they refer roof, to themselves roof, as a couple of good Appalachian boys. So. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that might be a flub. So I'll just say this: uh, if you go back to the original series, it was oh, portrayed. Now we're, getting, now we're getting deep. Yeah, it, it's portrayed <laughs> as being in the North Georgia mountains. Okay. You came through the deep hazard lore. Welcome to the pod. Yeah, this is like the Sumerian. So yeah, <laughs> this is a real but, deep hazard cut. But to Captain Cash's point. The original TV show, the pilot at least, was filmed in Covington, Georgia, which is southeast of Atlanta. But I believe it was meant to be up in the North Mountains uh, in the Blue Ridge area. So I, I would argue that even though Johnny Knoxville might have said up here, that's probably an error. I, I believe this is meant to be in rural north yes. georgia up in the mountains this is not by florida this is closer to tennessee because it'll come later but that makes more sense with the actual source source material for this but anyway okay moving yeah. on so uh before captain cash nerded out uh so they go no, that was me they go to the Gu- guilty as charged georgia to have these samples checked which is and lsu that's, that's what they discover for the record it's not, it's not UGA, it's LSU. They're in Baton Rouge. 
Okay. FYI. Yeah. Production I was, notes. I was really uh-huh. curious about where they were. So <laughs> I assumed it was a real college. Now I'm right. Let's be honest though. If they were going to go to a school, a technical school in Atlanta, hey, newsflash dipshits, UGA's in Athens. Georgia Tech's in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, moving Georgia on. Georgia Tech is downtown Atlanta. Yeah. You, you realize in the five minutes we've been discussing things that absolutely do not matter, we've put more thought into the, the state of Georgia and where the hell they were than the people who wrote this movie. <laughs> I really so, like Atlanta as a town. I work there pretty regularly. So to my point, Captain Cash, that's why this movie is definitely in the North, regardless of what Johnny Knoxville says. Because – UGA is not in fucking Atlanta. <laughs> but I, I will say the most realistic thing in this movie is that Atlanta traffic scene. That's legit. You yeah, just sit fair. there and people flip you off. That happens. Well, that's, an al- that's also a funny scene because it's the original gag with the hood of the car because they have no idea that roof, Cougar put... Roof of the car. Yeah. Roof of the car. Jesus, Heads who cares? Combined. Yeah. Who cares? I, I, I am a general lead pendant here. Pendant, pendant, yeah. pendant, pederist, pederist. Nope. Definitely not uh, nope. No, 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 not that one. So that's where you first realize Cooters put that on the car and they get simultaneously cheered on by people who the of society South is going to rise again and people who think they're total assholes and they have no idea what's going on as they're stuck in Atlanta traffic. Anyways, also very accurate in Cobb yeah. County. Moving on. So on this campus, they find out it's for the coal. They've got a race back. Of course, they there's the super trooper scene. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, yeah. there's a, just an incredible car stunt that happens here. They get back to Hazard County just in time for Bo to enter the race. I think it's Bo at this point. I don't care. And he ends up kicking Billy Prickett's ass in that race and ensuring everybody can get to the courthouse in time to dispute Boss Hogg's claim to all their land. Yes, that's his plan, ladies and gentlemen, to distract people with a road rally race while he steals all their land at the courthouse as if they wouldn't have been served some sort of summons to appear at the courthouse on that day, otherwise lose their land. That's how paper thin the, state the, of things, the movie is. That's so surprising, though. Yeah. <laughs> so... It, it's, uh, it's almost it's it's kind of like when the state of Georgia conspires to strip people's uh, you know rights to vote away while they're not paying attention. It, it's a pretty pretty I mean, plausible. Yeah, plot. it's sort of plausible, but they also put up a roadblock <laughs> to prevent people. From, this is like a one road town. Well, okay, okay. So, well, all you have to do is like just remove the polling places, you know, in the guise of no. cost savings. Okay, and, and Lex Luthor is very impressed. That's but Gene Hackman thinks no, this is a he's, great he's plan. He's not impressed because Lex Luthor's plans all involve nuclear missiles and separating something from something else, so he can have prime <laughs> real estate. This plan is tiddlywinks bullshit compared to a Lex Luthor plan. Okay, he's going to strip mine the smallest county in Georgia. Fuck off, Boss Hog. Go strip mine someplace else. What's he? He's going to make two million dollars on this endeavor. Ned Beatty has the hardest part. Yeah, I'm off my hey, soapbox about Boss that, Hog. That, that is $2 million he would not have had without this plan, okay? That's true. It makes, it, it makes perfect sense. And, and we all know that you know, Boss Hog is actually Burt Reynolds. Have you seen Burt Reynolds' toupee budget? That's not going to pay for itself, yeah. brother. Well, at least I'm his toupees saying. look nice. We've had some bad toupees on this show. Uh, so in this courthouse scene, even though – 
They've broken, I don't know, approximately 15 to 20 different laws. They've thrown Molotov cocktails at police cars. They've rammed police cars. They've done a series of insane shit. They get governor, uh, they get pardoned by Governor Applewhite, who's played by the great Joe Don Baker, who low-key says the most sexist thing in the movie, and this is a pretty sexist movie, during the end uh, credits bloopers, where he goes, every time I stare at her tits, she cracks up. Yes. It's wow. Like, oh, Joe Don, no. I was going to mention that. But that was super uncomfortable. I don't know. I still feel like uh, when Boss Hogg introduces himself to Jessica Simpson in this film, he does this weird, like, lean r- much too close. Hi. He's Which a, I just assume how Burt Reynolds introduces himself. He's channeling Jack Horner in that moment. It, it's the Joe Biden sniff. God. Okay. So that's. Aaron balanced. The movie is essentially raunchy comedy, slew of high-speed chases, the nonsensical plot. Uh, Overall, the good, old boys, the bad and the ugly. What'd you like? What what didn't you like? How many beers do you think are required to watch it? Let's begin with our guest, Boss Ross. We should note that the J-Man had to step away. We're hoping he is able to come back before the end of the pod. All right, so um, I'll start with the good. I thought that the car chase scenes were very well done, very well coordinated. I thought that the scenes with the actors in the cars, although they may have been over the top and ridiculous, it added to the fact that they incorporated the general lead throughout the entire movie, which is one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic part of that show and this movie. Um, So I thought they really did a good job because this movie is so fast-paced and they try and throw so many things at you so quickly. There's no room to really develop anything. So why not just make everything with the cars and make that stuff cool um, in amongst these small funny bits that they do. Uh, The bad parts, the script is awful. The plot is awful. Some of the characters are completely nonsensical and completely useless. And the ugly is that this movie could have been and should have been a lot funnier, especially with the source material that they're given. And they just decided that, oh, well, this formula worked for this. It's going to work for this, and we're going to make lots of money. By the way, um, and, and I may have missed this, what was the budget for this movie? Uh, over $50 million. And they made how much on it? 111 and change. Okay, so, I mean... I don't know what you guys think, but obviously doubling your doubling your money against your budget, I would think, is considered a success. Maybe it, not. It, Maybe I'm thinking low bar. Success, but qualified because we're, you know, it kind of depends on what was the level of marketing done. Okay. So, okay. So regardless, it's not like they, you know, lost their ass on this movie when it came to money, and it's not like they didn't turn some sort of a profit, but. I really felt like this was just a missed opportunity. And unfortunately, in this era of 2005, it, it was a very transition time when it came to styles of comedy, styles of the genre in general, and the fact that there were so many different remakes and so many different options for that. It never really distinguished itself as, hey, this isn't just another remake that you're going to go watch and go pay in the theater. It's just, we hope that you care 
that it's in the same style as X, Y, and Z movie. So really, to me, it's just more of a missed opportunity than anything else, and that's what my ugly is for this movie. I feel like that's fairly definitive. I, I, I can't... That, that's almost exactly what I would say for the most part. I mean, this is a movie that you had all of these great parts. You had the team from Super Troopers. You had three leads that were all pretty much at the height of their powers or close to it. You brought in people like Willie Nelson, and you, you got Smokey from Smokey and the Bandit to be the bad guy. And all together, it still sucks. I mean, it's essentially Smokey and the Bandit 3. And we know how right. bad Smokey and the Bandit 2 was. It's the, it's, the dark, it's the dark future world of Smokey and the Bandit where, where Smokey... Wait, I'm sorry. The Bandit has decided to be the man. I just... Wait, is this Cannonball Run 4? Cannonball Run 4. Honestly, if you put this entirely in the car and you just did those sort of chases around their interplay, it'd be pretty awesome, despite the script having severe issues because the car chases were great. I I honestly, it's a comedy, but it literally repeats jokes. Like, and, And I understand some of that can be homage and you're kind of like oh yeah it's like they did the thing and the thing before but that's not that funny so i just yeah it's yeah. it's it's the script i don't i don't think the actors were terrible for it it just it didn't gel uh chumzilla <laughs> yeah i think i'll agree with boss ross to a certain extent i think this movie on paper it makes sense like it should have been better. You had, you had a good concept and you, you could have made this into a fun action movie with car chase and stuff like that. But because of the sensibilities of the time, they felt obligated to try to shoehorn it into a formula. And I think the casting hurt it because you got a bunch of people together that didn't really care about the movie. They're just like, oh, hey, this is great. We're going to do one of these remake movies. It's going to make money. Don't worry about it. So there was just like a lack of passion and interest in the project. So it was just kind of a bunch of people going through the motions, not really caring about what they were doing. I mean, that, that's the impression I get. And they're just the expectations weren't that high. So they didn't rise to the occasion they just said hey we're going to give you a mediocre remake movie of an existing property and we're just going to lazily execute it and we'll cash the checks i yeah. i guess that's the, that's that's kind of my impression so anyway well, well the audience was there i mean this open number one it made over 30 million in its opening weekend oh it, it had uh, hype it had hype. It, on paper uh, it had hype i mean once people saw it and yeah, it, it has elements of the show. It does use the general lead to its full extent, which it really needed to. That is the iconic thing of the show. You're right. It has the narrator that uh, voices over elements of the movie. It's just that the, there's no real story to it. And for a movie that is really centered around uh, the two brothers, you just don't, they're not very likable. And that kind of hurts it. Now, I didn't hate what? the movie. I, I don't like it. I don't hate it. I certainly don't think it's the worst movie of 2015. And I say that because here are some of the other movies of 2015. Alone in the Dark. UA! Uva. Yeah. 
Dirty Love. Until I die. Yeah, which we mentioned. And Dirty Love, by the way, did win the Razzie for Worst Picture. The Fog, awful. The remake of The Fog, not the John Carpenter Fog. Son of the Mask, A Sound Ooh. of Thunder. If you've never Ooh. seen that, good God, the CGI is terrible. Cheaper by the Dozen 2 and Yours, Mine, and Ours, which is the worst version of Cheaper by the Dozen 2. So, this is a crowded field in uh, 2015. Yeah, I, I just, again, I think this was just, at its core, a lazy adaptation of an existing property. And I think everybody involved was just hoping that, hey, this is a name. People, were, they'll recognize it. It should carry us through. That's not enough. There just wasn't enough behind it. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Uh, so how many beers? Because I would say like three to four. I, it's not bad enough to like, require more than that it's just not very good you're not gonna laugh a whole lot but the car chase scenes are great like there's a lot of great practical stunt work and you see that in the outtakes at the end like they were destroying these cars left and right and it's kind of awesome and i sincerely apologize i know i went first and i did not give my beer rating on on y'all's show so let me officially apologize for that i will say three beers myself i love i love most of the stuff with the cars Again, that was the total highlight of the show of, of of this movie for me. So I'll say three pretty confidently when it comes to uh, for for uh, for beers for this show for this uh, for this movie. Captain Cash, I honestly I have to get in like a I have to feel like I'm 19 to think any of this is cool. So this real this is a five beer movie for me. Um, the notable exception is where. They do the the shot where Jessica, Jessica Simpson appears to step on the camera. And I'm like, this better not awaken anything in me. At that point, zero beers. But for the rest of it, five, probably five. Oh, geez. We welcome Cooter to the pod. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. And we learned something about Captain Cash today. Uh, listen, Very I learned something about myself. Hey, self-discovery is an important step in the journey to finding peace. That's true. The light in me recognizes the light in all of you. You're not, you don't have a boner now, do you? Just talk, <laughs> just talking about that scene. No, no, I'm pretty sure he just joined the cult that the deep did. So, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. The church thanks. of the collective. Uh, that's uh, that's spoilers. Thanks guys for uh, is that, the boys season two. Is that an Adam Warlock joke? What? Uh, so, Chumzilla, how many beers? Oh, four beers. It's 104 minutes. I'll give this movie four beers. It's not awful. It's entertaining at times. It's dumb, but it's dumb fun. So, okay. four beers. Uh, that's fair. I think we're all pretty much on the, on the same page, uh, aside from Boner Jams, who chose five beers. I said five. <laughs> how, how far off Five beers and one Viagra. If you if you if you cleared all your things yet, yeah, are you okay? You're not running hot right now, are you? Uh, Second question: What? I I immediately finished before I got on this pod. I was like, okay, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, Was Jay Shandrika Sakar the right choice to direct the movie? I love the Broken Lizard Gang. Uh, I'd say no, though. What are your guys' thoughts? Well, so here's my thought, though. I mean, the problem here isn't necessarily directorial, because as we've established, what they needed to nail for the 
two hillbillies from Georgia drive a fucking souped up car around is some sweet driving scenes. And there are some sweet driving scenes in this. So I, I think he does, did fine, but you can definitely feel that this movie is the result of Super Troopers being a massive success in 2003. And then basically Hollywood went, hey, Jay, do kind of that again. Here's a shitload of money, but we need you to do it with Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to say no. What do I look like, an idiot? Yeah, see, that's sort of my point. Like, if you're going to hire him, you have to let them do what they do best, not give them a shit script and say, okay, direct this, but with your sensibilities. Like, mm. if, if they would have written this, I guarantee it's a lot funnier. That's true. It's yeah, also that, R, but it's a lot funnier. And he did nail the car scenes. So, I mean, it's, it was nothing wrong with what he did. It's just, what are you going for? Because mm. if you're going to hire the director of Super Troopers and the writer of Super Troopers and then say, this has to be PG, but make it like Super Troopers. Well, no, no, no. This, PG is, this is a hard R, P is it not? No, it's, it's PG-13. Oh, whoops. Yeah. I, I so, definitely got the unrated version then. Because <laughs> yeah. there's just a lot of boobs out of nowhere. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely tamed down. Uh, and some of the stuff they wanted to put in the movie, uh, which isn't even in the unrated cut, is just deleted scenes. Like they were like given a hard. Uh, so wow, Boss Ross, what are your thoughts? Uh, when it comes to the director, I absolutely agree with the sentiment of if you're going to have the guy that's got a very specific style, and you're giving him the exact same crew, and you're letting him have his vision. But then you're saying, oh, yeah, so uh, this guy over here is going to tell you what to do and how to do your movie. That's exactly what this movie... Now, again, I said before, and I, uh, and I apologize if I'm beating a dead horse here, but this was such a lost opportunity with just the source material of you could have had... You could have brought that style of humor to 2005 with the twist of this crew and this vision and this director... And they just decided, nope, we're not going to do that. Mm. So I agree that I don't think it's the director's fault that this movie sucked. So I think they did the best that they could with what they were given. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's totally fair. Uh, he, it's, not, it's not like there's a lack of vision. Like The shots are good. Of course, all the tracking stuff, all the car stuff is so great. He just doesn't have anything comedy-wise to really work with. Totally underrated part of this movie, and I apologize if I'm totally ju totally jumping the gun. I really liked the soundtrack to this movie. I thought it fit through the very fast pace of this movie, through through the setting of the movie, through the theme that they were going for. I actually really enjoyed the music that they used to the setting of what they were going for. This I thoroughly enjoyed it. This is the most dad rock 70s southern country rock and roll thing. The only That's thing okay. was Sweet Home Alabama. They never played Sweet Home Alabama, so I'm cool with it. I don't think you can for a movie based in Georgia though without You absolutely can't. Yeah. No, no, yeah, that gets yeah, no. No Leonard Skinner. <clears throat> I'm actually uh, shocked they didn't play in a uh, slower down scene. Oh, wait, there weren't any of those. If there was, they could have played Midnight Train to Georgia. Yeah, this movie is on some serious, like, uppers throughout the entire oh, thing. for sure. For sure. So, 
I, I think the biggest deficiency this movie has in the soundtrack department is there's no Almond Brothers. Come on. Augusta, uh, so Georgia, that's, represent. That's, that's, that, you know what? You're right. But I still like the soundtrack for the most part. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, it's, it, it's not bad. needle drops for sure. Uh, Chubzilla, thoughts on whether Jay was the right choice? Or do you... You know, I, I'm going to say no because I think he struggled to manage the non- broken lizard cast um he needed to give like sean william scott and uh johnny knoxville more direction like i just feel like he was out of his element with those guys like i'm, I'm gonna get, try to get to his head here a bit i feel like he wasn't secure enough being a big time hollywood director to actually tell those dipshits to cut it out and do what he wanted whereas he's still able to do that with his guys so that in my opinion is why some of the broken lizard stuff is funnier than some of the main art stuff is because there was a better relationship and better control between the director and the actors with the broken lizard guys versus knoxville and and stifler so yeah yeah, yeah. john john uh, and sean uh he, here's my notes for you be more likable did you more- suck less yeah. Be more like so, humans. Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like yeah. it was a recipe for disaster. He had a bunch of actors he knew and a bunch of guys he didn't know. And you've got Jessica Simpson and you've got Willie Nelson. So how much direction was he really given Jessica Simpson and Willie Nelson? I'm going to wager like between slim and none. Well, they that's, were, that's they were, not true. She needs an insane amount of direction. Like she, yeah, but, she but, has no idea no, what she's but, doing. But she's no, no, getting no. it from. I guarantee getting, you, Jay can. Jay was under the camera with the heel set. It's like, yeah, yeah. Step that again. About six more times. No, harder, no, angrier. Now happy. Here, here's the thing, though, Mr. Wizard. She's a stunt cast, so she's there on behalf of the production. So the producers in the studio are talking to her, and Willie Nelson is Willie Nelson. So, again, this is a really weirdly casted movie. I don't think he had complete creative control. Okay. Well, That's all I'm saying. <clears throat> uh, we all agreed it wasn't a particularly funny movie, but was there a comedic bit or scene that you enjoyed? that you'd be like, oh, that was genuinely funny. I have a couple examples, but I'll let uh, Chumzilla go first. Yes. So the best part of the movie for me, hands down, is the fact that we get a scene where Willie Nelson punches Burt Reynolds while dressed as Colonel Sanders in the face. Twice! You get that twice! That is amazing. That just is surreal to say out loud. Willie Nelson punches Burt Reynolds in a Colonel Sanders suit in the face <laughs> twice. Wow. Okay. But uh, I will dog it again. I, the whole gag about Willie Nelson just doing the dirty jokes constantly. I'm like, what is that? That that does not come from the show. It doesn't really fit in with the rest of the movie. It's such a weird thing. Again, it's like, you know, Ramathorn was like, hey, Willie, just, just do that Shane Black thing from Predator. It's cool. They had no place in the movie. But anyway, still, punching Burt Reynolds, pretty cool. It seemed, yeah, like he didn't have real dialogue. They're just riding in a car throwing Molotov cocktails at policemen. And he's like, hey, want to hear a joke? This yeah, is, is going to be in our, our entire exchange is me telling jokes and, as and, we try and murder people. 
and Willie Nelson's performance is not that great. It's a little stilted, but yeah, those jokes are very forced. They feel like he's just like pushing the dialogue oh, yeah. out. You know, hire Willie they're... Nelson. It's the same as hiring Snoop Dogg. You're going to get Snoop Dogg and or You're... Willie Nelson. Uh, your... For the record. And or high. Uh, who hired Snoop Dogg for the movie this is trying desperately to be? Starsky and Hutch. Starsky and Hutch. Huggy Bear. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, yeah. that's fair. All right, Captain Cash, gag or comedic bit, anything work for you? I really appreciated the setup of the armadillo. Go get me that armadillo. They make great hats for fending off government mind control. And then eventually you get to see the armadillo hat. I, I thought that was pretty entertaining. And they make good soup bowls. So. Yeah, and soup bowls. <laughs> Which... There aren't armadillos in Georgia, are there? Yes. So as a Southern transplant, that is perhaps one of the most shocking things that I have discovered. Armadillos are, you know, native to Georgia. Huh. I always thought they were desert creatures, like Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, those kind of places. But it turns out... Armadillos are here, I guess, and they carry leprosy. I've never seen one in the wild, but I see them run over on the side of the highway all the time. It's really weird. But yes, that is a fact. Armadillos are native to Georgia. Weird. Okay, thank you, Jack Hanna. Now over to Boss Ross for his comedic gag. Hey, don't take a jab at Jack Hanna. The guy knew his stuff, all right? Uh, No, so... Correct me if I'm wrong, and I could be totally wrong. I don't remember the General Lee being, like, indestructible and could just crash into cop cars and just be totally fine. Am I off base? I mean, they definitely jumped the General Lee to a point that would absolutely destroy any normal car. Right. But again, that's that's almost, to me, you have that moment of disbelief that's like, okay, these guys are so crazy and this car is so awesome that their tires wouldn't instantly explode from like a 70 foot leap off of a ramp. Like I can at least be like, it's a movie. I don't care. That's still a cool stunt. What I don't get is they basically are just like, okay, so we're going to destroy this car and then we're going to rebuild it. And then we're going to destroy it again and then rebuild it with better parts. Look, I get it. And again, I loved almost everything they did with this car I just found it funny that they're basically just like, oh, yeah, so we're doing all these cool, like, car chase scenes and evading everything and doing all these crazy jumps. Yeah, let's just directly, like, crash into cars and be totally fine. I just found that very enjoyable, and I loved it, so. Yeah, actually, the most damage that the car takes is when Roscoe and his goons, like, uh, destroy it after they pick it up when they have to abandon it at the start of the movie. The rest of the movie, it's it's like a tank. First of all, it's off-roading constantly, which it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about cars, but you probably don't take it off-road a lot. Yeah, I can tell you right now, a rear-wheel drive muscle car handles like shit in the grass and or dirt. Well, there you go. My two gags, I have two. The Super Troopers one uh, is is one of them. I, I love yeah. that. I love the callback. I love that they stuck that in there. I thought it was pretty funny, but it's the Al Unser Jr. cassette. No questions, only answers. Narrated by Lawrence Fishburne. 
<laughs> I don't know why I thought that was so funny, but is I that, couldn't is, get over it. Is that is it actually Lawrence Fishburne? That's no, the only question I have. I don't think okay. so. No. Yeah. So uh, I have to imagine that the guys that did Talladega Nights watched this movie and took notes. Well, because was what two thousand six, right? Yeah, if they did. They threw them all away. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's still some of the the weird. There's some weird interplay between those two movies. I mean, so again, again, my weird like genealogy of these bad movies. It goes like Dukes of Hazard, or so I'm sorry. It goes <clears throat> Dodgeball, Dukes of Hazard, Talladega Nights. It's just a natural progression. Wait, you have Dodgeball as being worse than the Dukes of Hazard? No, no. I mean, genealogy, like you know, sperm, like inspirations, the genetics. Dodgeball. Like I don't that think this is particularly like dodgeball. I'm not following you on that one. I, if oh, you no, said it, Starsky and Hutch, sure, but dodgeball is no. not anything like this movie. Dodgeball is very, very much so just Ben Stiller playing the same character from Heavyweights, but now he's progressed to being a gym owner because his fitness he, business failed because he tried to murder a bunch of heavy children. He, in a he's camp. basically he's basically Boss Hog trying to outwit his opponents to gain the property rights to their resources. No, is he I'm, not? I'm still not. Chuck Norris is in it. No, maybe if Steven Seagal <laughs> was in it, I'd give it to you. But no. But then he'd shit his pants. That'd be yeah. a different movie. So our last question uh, before we take our first break. As this is a remake of an old TV show, what is one show you would love to see translated to the big screen? Whoever would like to start. You know what? I'll just jump in since I, I guess perhaps I'm being given the floor. Um, this may be an unpopular choice because they technically already did it and it sucked. And I desperately want them to retry again. And that's Miami Vice. Absolutely not. It's Miami Vice. Yeah. They need to try that again because whatever they did in the movie adaptation of that show was so far beyond any vision that anybody had. I think people expected the Miami Vice show to basically be half source material, half GTA Vice City. And we got none of it. Yeah. It and went super It went like, super uh, dark. Yeah. Like it modern. went super dark. Modern. They chose horrible two leads for and by the way i actually really like colin farrell and some of the movies he does um I I, I, I I hated jamie fox at cast in that movie um i i really think they could give that another go with a different look closer to the source material get a better setting have like time appropriate settings and clothes and characters and attitudes and that vision and then splash in some grand theft auto vice city and it'll be awesome trust me it will work so that's my pick uh but you know it's funny about how that movie like basically jaded fans so badly is that michael mann right he created the show and Who I love, by the and way he directed the movie and i love it too and that movie is just so far afield of what miami vice was uh it's just not great yeah uh, i agree that would be cool to see remade put it in the 80s that's where it belongs that's a solid choice captain cash i i threw out transformers there for a second because that's definitely an 80s cartoon i'd i'd like to see we kind of got that with bumblebee 
So my yeah. immediate oh, we only had fucking seven movies. Is this another one of your recommendation things? No, <laughs> I would have movie. these movies and we get all, every two all years. Been terrible except Bumblebee, which was set in the eighties. No, wait, no, oh. hold on, stop, stop. I'm gonna defend Captain Cash for just one moment. The first fifteen minutes of Bumblebee is is the, the best Transformers movie, and then the rest of it is shit. It's not bad. I like Haley Steinfeld. It's fine. No, it, it's like literally awful. It's like the yeah, whatever. No, the first. Okay, thing, just first, let him finish his recommendation. The, the, the first we know 15, it's going to be something we've already seen. Uh, the first fifteen minutes is what Michael Bay should have done for the other eleven Transformers movies. Captain Cash. Have you never yours. seen a Michael Bay movie? He doesn't so do my, anything with nuance. My point was. What I would really like to see redone is Thundercats. Because as we've established, you take cats that are sort of human and you, you make them photorealistic and you just get this insane goddamn thing that is literally sanity breaking. That's basically why I'm on this pod. Thundercats, but like all caps, cats. Okay, I'm down for that. Skimble Shanks. Jellicle. 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 Oh! Uh, Zilla. Crow Tinkle is all over that, bros. I would watch anything, Cats for Life uh, with the soundtrack of Cats. Like when they did the Batman trailer with the, with the song from Cats in it, that infinitely made the trailer better because everything with Cats is better. It's just a fact. That, that might be true. So I think I'll get some pod support here. So if I had to pick a TV show to reboot as a movie, what I'm going to ask for here is please, please give me a Coen Brothers directed big screen adaptation of Wings. In this troubling times that, that we're all suffering through, I think we could all use an extra dose of THC, the goddamn Lobster Johnson Give me some Thomas Hayden Church. Let's do well, it. And Stephen Weber. And uh, gosh, what's the other guy's name? He, he was the voice of Superman many times over. Uh, I believe Tony Shalhoub was also in that show. Tony Shalhoub was also in Yes, uh, yes he Crystal, was. Crystal Bernard was, uh, gosh, mm-hmm. what is his name? He, now he's dating Tay Leone. They're both on uh, whatever, Madam Secretary. Tim, Timothy something. I don't know. I, it's it's killing me. I can't remember now. My show, Quantum Fucking Leap. For Pete's sake, would you finish Dr. Sam Beckett's story? You can't end it with he never left home. I need a movie. I need it now. Scott Bakula, you're a man amongst men. We all love you. I, I don't feel like that's a continuation. That's a you want Quantum Leap to end in a way that you're comfortable with. Quantum well, hold on. Is designed to be a serialized thing. No, no, it was canceled. That's why we never got it. Right. Hold on, Th- Thunderous Wizard. Did you not beat Scott Bakula in arm wrestling earlier? At some no, point? that was Dean Kane. I would never arm wrestle no, Scott Bakula. I would never do that. Scott Bakula. I imagine he and I would be best friends, and we'd listen to the Cat soundtrack and drink beers, maybe wine spritzers. I don't know, but a friendship would certainly bud. That checks out. So we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we've got a trivia challenge that Shubzilla is going to host. So we'll catch you on Hey-o. the other side.
Hello and welcome back to the 76th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. We are doing the Dukes of Hazard, and along with us tonight is Boss Ross from the Double Turn Podcast. We unfortunately lost J-Man early in the pod, and uh, we'll have him back on at some point. So we're going to have this be the Double Turn versus Hops and Box Office Flops. We'll instead make it just every man for himself. Quick aside, Tim Daly wings. Tim Daly. As I was, oh, uh, that's who it was. As I was thinking about the gloriousness of Scott Bakula and I frolicking through Flowery Field, arm in arm, listening to the Jellicle song about Jellicle cats, it came to me, Tim Daly. So, Chumzilla, you are going to lead the quiz, so why don't you introduce us to the rules and the name of it? All right, well, welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. Broadcasting from deep in Hazard County, Georgia. Breaker, breaker one. Might be crazy, but I ain't dumb. Crazy Chumpzilla coming at you. Anybody home on the Hazard net? We've just arrived at the competitive portion of our Dukes of Hazard pod, and it's time for Crazy Cooter's Dukes of Hazard Trivia Challenge. Now, prepare yourselves, gentlemen. It's the standard format. We've got five questions multiple choice and tonight you're playing for a case of uncle jesse's moonshine the chime in phrase is tighter than a tick's ass but i'll also accept crazy cooter are you ready uh, yeah i'm ready let's do this crazy cooter boss ross i'm not feeling the love you ready to go i'm a crazy cooter let's go Actually, he's Ooh, yeah. probably more ready than either uh, Captain Cash or myself. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, here we go. Question number one. The movies Bo and Luke carry on the tradition of the Duke boys using bows and arrows instead of firearms, but it doesn't explain why. Why don't the Duke boys use firearms? Is it A, they were big Batman fans, B, They made a promise to their late mother. C, Uncle Jesse forbids guns in the house. Or D, they're on probation. I'm a crazy cooter. Captain Cash. I presume it is the same reason as save Martha. Their late mother prevented it. I am sorry, sir. That is incorrect. You know that Martha doesn't die in that movie, right? You idiot. Well, not not that Martha. The other Martha's already dead, but whatever. Crazy Cooter. <clears throat> oh. It's a... Uh, Thunderous Wizard. What say you? Uncle Jesse doesn't allow guns in the house. That is also incorrect. He has a gun in the movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm right. the car. Jeez, okay. Why would the house matter? Fuck. I just thought he All threw right. Molotov um, cocktails. He's like, fuck guns. Uh, I just blow uh, shit up. Boss Ross, please save me from this. I'm Would gonna, you like me I'm to gonna, repeat the I can repeat excuse me. I can repeat the remaining answers if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. The remaining answers are they were big Batman fans. Okay. And they were on or, probation. Well, I think it's obvious it's D, they're on probation. That's correct. The Duke boys are on probation for moonshining, and they don't want to get a felony, so they don't carry guns and break the probation or something. I'm just a good old boy. That's right. 
Let's go. They never meant no harm. The only way That's they right. know how. <laughs> Just a little bit more than the law would allow. Since the day they was born. All right. All right. So huh? Boss Ross is leading us with one point. That brings us to question number two. One of the actors in this movie has also appeared in the original Dukes of Hazard TV show. Who was it? Was it A, Linda Carter? Was it B, Willie Nelson? Was it C, MC Ganey? Or was it D, Burt Reynolds? Or E, Joe Don Baker? Uh, Crazy Cooter. Damn it, that's what it was. Joe Don Baker. Thunderous Wizard. Yes, and you've chimed in with Joe Don Baker. That is incorrect. Boss Ross, Captain Cash, can you steal? Crazy Cooter? Captain Cash. Was it Wonder Woman? It was not. Although Wonder Woman was played on the same network I mean, like, as... I like it close. It was right about that time. Yeah. Wonder Woman it. was on the same network, the same channel as the Dukes of Hazard, But no, she was not on the original show. All right, okay, so the floor I'm, is yours, Boss Ross. What say I'm, you? So I believe my remaining choices are Willie Nelson... Um, MC Ganey and Burt right. Reynolds. I'm going to say MC Ganey. You're correct. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Uh, funny story. This show was only picked up for a series. It was only put on the air to fill in time for when the Incredible Hulk returned to TV. It was so popular. Got a full series order. Yeah. So I think in the third, I think it's the third season, third, 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 fourth or fifth season in the later seasons, MC Ganey played a villain that kidnapped uh, the Duke boys. So, yes, he, he had to appear in the TV series and the movie. So that is two points to the boss, Ross. Captain Cash, Mr. Wizard, you guys are struggling here. And we're now on to question number three. Which of the following horror directors was initially offered the director's chair for the Dukes of Hazard movie? Was Jordan it A? Peele. No, sorry. Way, way before Jordan Peele. It would have worked great, though. That would have been a different movie. Um, was it A, Robert Rodriguez? Was it B, James Wan? Was it C, Eli Roth? Or D, John Carpenter? Crazy Cooter. Boss Ross. James Wan. You are wrong, sir. I am sorry. Damn. That would have been my guess. It's right about the right time. Crazy Cooter. So, this thunderous wizard. This honestly feels like a misguided, like, you know, the guy who did Hostel where they cut off the guy's dick could do it. <laughs> Eli Roth is my answer. You, sir, are correct. That is one point for the Thunderous Wizard. We are now at two to one. I told you. <laughs> with Boss Ross in the lead. Okay, question number four. The original TV series was based on a 70s movie. What was its title? Was it A, Moonrunners? Was it B, Good Old Boys? Was it C, the Duke Boys, or D, Thunder on the Mountain? Crazy, crazy cooter. That goes to the Thunderous Wizard. It's Moon Runners. That is correct. What? Yep. How did how did I not get that? Because I beat you to it, you clown. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, do not let the editing fool you. The Thunderous Wizard chimed in first. I believe that makes it two to two, Thunderous Wizard and Boss Ross. You guys are tied up. Okay. And, uh, Captain Cash is skunked like a dead Cap animal in the I'm going to make sure that no one wins. All right. What's the last one? He Captain, Cash uh, is, 
he's like that raccoon that's stuck in the that's stuck in the general lee. We had to we had to move him a little bit. So sometimes they just excellent hat. <laughs> sometimes they just move along and use it as a toilet or a shoe. Um, Know. Yeah, but no, it, it, relishing your role here, Captain Cash, you can play the spoiler and force a tie, so don't, you know, don't despair. Okay, question number five. Heading into the fifth season of the original TV series, the actress portraying Bo and Luke Duke, John Schneider and Tom Wopat, held out for more money based on licensing rights, and they were temporarily replaced by two other cousins for several episodes. Oh, what were yeah. the names of the Duke cousins? Was it A, Brock and Rick? Was it B, Coy and Vance? Was it C, Joe and Mike? Or was it D, Bill and Will? Or was it E, Bert and Larry? That's a lot there. I'll repeat them Crazy if I it's Captain, Brock and Rick. No way. That's the Thunderous Wizard. And wait, Brock and Rick. No, that's that's incorrect. Damn it! I really nice hope try. it's not Coy and Vance. <laughs> I really hope it's not. <laughs> None of these names are good. I'm just gonna I'm, I'm just gonna say that right now. So uh, can we have them again? I'm, what are the four? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna. The, the only thing I remember about stuff. the Dukes of Hazard is at one point they definitely pulled a. Forget about those guys. Here are the two new Duke boys. <laughs> Yeah, money talks, bullshit walks. Okay, so the Thunderous Wizard has knocked out Brock and Rick. So that leaves us with B, Coy and Vance, C, Joe and Mike, D, Bill and Will, or E, Bert and Larry. Crazy Cooter. Boss Ross. I'm going to take a total shot in the dark here. It just sounds too goofy to not be correct. I'm going Coy and Vance. You, sir, are correct, and that makes you tonight's winner. Everyone. That was my other guests. (laughs) Everyone, throw up their congratulations to the boss, Ross. He is tonight's Crazy Cooter Trivia Challenge winner. And don't worry, sir, we'll get that case of moonshine shipped to you ASAP. I expect Congratulations. uh, I, I also expect the material to uh, throw Molotovs off of my car from uh, crazy cops trying to chase me. It is oh, highly flammable. So highly flammable. Rag? <laughs> yeah. Yes, and that too. It'll also double as a fantastic engine degreaser if you need it to. So there you Love go. It. Multi-purpose. Love it. Okay, so that's the end of our quiz. Uh, congrats to Boss Rossi. Uh, just destroyed us. Well, destroyed you, Captain Cash, with a pathetic <laughs> performance you had. That's okay. We, we'll forgive you. It's not like you oh, recommended no, a movie, no, 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 a TV show that had seven movies already. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're just going to do some recommendations and wrap it up. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to the 76th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We've come to our final segment of the show, Recommendations. As a benevolent host, we will defer to our guest, Boss Ross, from the Double Turn Podcast. What do you recommend for this week? Okay, so this is going to be totally off the wall and maybe very random, but I have been searching the deep dives of the different streaming services that I do use. 
um, for content and for shows that I've really been getting into. Um, of course, the J-Man and I, we do our wrestling show. And um, another thing that I think has been lacking uh, when it comes to sports in general is the fact that we've not had a lot of good boxing uh, UFC and of course wrestling have kind of taken that over. So there is a show on Netflix that I very much recommend. It is called Megalobox. It's basically about this guy that's an upstart fighter in the undergrounds, and essentially he wants to become like this big name and raise his rank uh, to win this big tournament and be known as this really great fighter. And Again, there's only one season. It's 13 episodes. It's very quick. It tells a very good story. It actually it actually showcases like some good boxing stuff in it. Again, I'm not saying it's going to blow you away, but if you want something that has to deal with something in in this case for me, um, that I'm interested in when it's good, when it's good and when it's done well, the choreography, um, the acting, the script, everything like that. So if you want something short, uh, for something that maybe uh, you might not be totally vested in, or just something that you want that's simple that tells a good story, I'd go. Uh, I'd go with Megalobox from Netflix. That's my recommendation for this week. Cool, uh, Chubzilla. My recommendation this week is a much better comedy set in rural Georgia. I'm going to recommend Adult Swim Squidbillies. It's been running since about 2005, and it follows the mildly illegal exploits of the anthropomorphic squids living in the fictional Dougal County, located somewhere in the North Georgia mountains, much like Hazard County. The show's head writer is the co-creator of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Dave Willis. So that gives you an idea of the humor and the tone of the show. I realize the lead actor has just been basically canceled because of some anti-Black Lives Matter comments he's made on Twitter or social media or whatever, but don't let that distract you from how good this show is. Those politics don't come into play. It's funny. It's subversive. It's a good show. Um, I recommend you check it out. And hey, again, it's a way better example of the hillbilly culture <laughs> in the North Georgia mountains than what you get in <laughs> Dukes of Hazard. So Squidbillies, check it out. Okay, Captain Cash, your recommendation. I will go the opposite direction from uh, death of the author into maybe deification of the subject. And I, I will recommend On the Basis of Sex, which is basically a story about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, we got some wickedly bad news before we started this pod, and I, I just want to take my recommendation to be like, hey, someone who fought for equal rights for men and women Strong recommendation. Check out On the Basis of Sex. I think it's on HBO Max. Okay. Uh, my recommendation for this week is another remake of an old TV show. Perhaps this will tip you off to what it is. Ten years ago, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the eighteen. I'm here with you. I really enjoyed that movie. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I uh, I, I like that movie a lot. Obviously, I didn't uh, know we didn't get a sequel. Frankly, 
it you know costs over 100 and only made about 180 and it's just the way it goes sometimes but cast was great talk about a well-casted update to a tv show cast of that movie is fantastic i really like that movie uh so remember you can find the show on facebook twitter and instagram at hops and bo flops you can find myself on twitter at writer tlk captain cash at c-a-p-t-c-a-s-h on most social media and chumzilla at chumzilla8 on twitter if you enjoy our show leave us a review on apple Podcasts. be sure to like share and subscribe and connect with us on social media to share your ideas about future episodes uh you can find the podcast across platforms and we are now on amazon music as well uh next week we begin our october series of Flops that go bump in the night. First up, Wes Craven's new nightmare. Now, like a macho man elbow drop from the top, double turn, drop your plugs for us one more time. So, again, it is the Double Turn podcast. Again, we just celebrated our two-year anniversary show. Check that out. We have over 120 episodes that you can go check out at your leisure. We talk pro wrestling current product and past products it's the double turn podcast you can find it on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher breaker radio public pocket cast cast box and the anchor app you can also find us on our instagram page at the double turn podcast the one and only jman 19 and ross the real boss 85 are the jman and of course myself's instagram handles and uh, we're really excited that you guys came back on. Unfortunately, we lost J-Man early, but we'll have you guys back in the near future. Uh, and uh, we'll figure out what movie we'll be doing. Uh, in closing, listeners, remember that the General Lee must be even faster than your average cheetah on cocaine because it smoked poor Billy Prickett's car. I don't know what the hell that means, but it must mean something. We'll see you next time. <laughs>